NH Talk is brought to you by Mojo Stratus. Stratus is true cloud auto scaling technology for Magento. Built by industry leaders and cloud architects, Stratus is a revolution in cloud hosting. Magento 2, no problem. Holidays, flash sales, no problem. 100% uptime or your money back. Give Stratus a try today, risk-free, and tell them Mage Talk sent you. Check them out today at magemojo.com. That's M-A-G-E-M-O-J-O.com. Mage Talk is brought to you by Vertex, the leader of tax, technology solutions, and services for corporations worldwide. They're a Magento premier partner trusted by over half of the Fortune 500. Vertex Cloud meets the sales and use tax needs for businesses of all sizes. Visit them online today at vertexsmb.com. This podcast is brought to you by Commerce Hero. Better way to find a Magento developer for your next project or full-time hire. Hello and welcome to Mage Talk with Philip and Kaylin. Hey yo, I'm Philip, and I'm what's up, man? Kaylin, what's up, man? <laughs> bit of a different episode for us. Uh, we have a little bit later in the show an interview with Pete Davis of Ampjar, uh, which is an interesting. He's a f- pretty interesting founder from the founder from Down Under. <laughs> really, which really, I wasn't really going <laughs> to. Yeah, I didn't want to do that in front of him. <laughs> but now, yeah, 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 yeah. But now that he's heard it, yeah. He yep. can sue us. That's fine. Yeah. Um, well, uh, we have uh, we have a very strong legal team, so we're not we're not yeah. worried about that. Yeah, uh, uh, we have a yeah general counsel <laughs> used to work for <laughs> Kellogg's. No big deal, um, dude. What is going on, man? Uh, Holy cow, man! What is I just got on? back from Amsterdam. Yeah, Magento Live EU. So lots of what's crazy? Were you keynoting? By Holy the way? crap! No, oh, okay. no, 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 no. I I was just attending. Um, by the way. Guido is the European you. I think I'm the American Guido. No, 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 no. This is, a, this is an America first podcast. So he's the European you. That's, that's, <laughs> um, uh, you know, what was amazing is I go to the, which apparently this is, you know, cause everything has sort of a formula now. Uh, there's a pre-live event, like a pre-imagine event. Right. So they have this pre-live event and, um, it was actually a really cool format the way that they sort of had it laid out. But I walk in and uh, in in the lobby is Guido and Sonder both standing there podcasting. And I'm nice. like, you poor guys. <laughs> you poor schmucks. I've done this. He's like, we're three hours in. I'm like, I know that feeling. <laughs> Can't enjoy an event because you're podcasting. Oh, Been man, there. that's hilarious. Yeah, it's it's freaking I remember hilarious. I saw that picture on on online, and uh, it it brought me back because they have a nice little stu- studio set up, and um, yeah, yeah, it's it's super super cool. Well, he has a much more professional uh, setup as like a travel rig than oh, okay. uh, what we've had uh, in the past. He's he's it looks like uh, Dacento, the Dacento podcast has you know put a lot of money into that little rig. It's pretty cool. Um, but anyway, uh, it was a great event. Uh, a bunch of really interesting news kind of came out. I'll give you the highlights, uh, which we can distill down to a one-minute soundbite. Uh, the first thing is a bunch of product announcements were made. They have uh, Magento has acquired a product from Acarin, uh, which does B two B purchasing. So that was a um, secret. Uh, that was the workflows. secret. Um, yeah. um, uh, to, uh, from the thing from Graham, the secret thing that you 
you uh, blew up. Yeah. 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 That was the secret that I, that I was like, what is the secret? And then, you know, I, I put out a bunch of, you know, salacious ah, that's things. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, you went, you went hard in the yeah, paint so that, on that particular. <laughs> I did. I'm like, don't ask Graham because he won't tell you. And I'm like, Oh, what do you, you know? Yeah. I got that. He's a baby doll rapist. That got Graham. A little, that got a little rowdy. Got, got really got, dark. Uh, so that was probably the highlight of the, the product announcements is that they are continuing to invest in B2B, now, but if, is, you know, the Bluefoot acquisition what, uh, is any indication, you know, this will be two yeah, and a half years before exactly. we see anything. So what, what, what was the product? You said it was a B2B... It's a B2B purchasing approval workflow. So it's uh, I've not played with it, but okay. Acarin, I guess, has a, a, a product that, you know, handles backend uh, order approvals in that's an cool. elegant way. And that's, you know, going to advance the roadmap there. Um, so that looks pretty good. Uh, they, you know, did a couple check-ins on some things that we had already heard about at least once earlier in the year. So, uh, Sensei is coming to Magento and there's a couple check boxes there around like product recommendations right. coming from, right. um, a, you know, built into the, the platform that would be powered right. by Sensei. Um, and so, you know, we'll see some of that. There's, you know, continued efforts on PWA and Vinya, um, you know, you've had some pretty public things to say about that recently on their, you know, their investment in Vinia. Oh, um, you've been paying attention. I, I was that. Oh, I'm paying attention to everything that, you do right now. You're, that's that's what yeah. I that's what I wanted to drop a quick bomb on you is to say, well, not a bomb. I, I'm I'm genuinely curious to what what you think about the question of API coverage. Um, because that, that was kind of the, 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 the post I put out, got a lot of traction. Matter of fact, I was quoting John Hughes, who by the way, is one of the nicest people yeah. in the Magento community, yeah. period. Um, I might say he is the nicest I, person in the Magento. He's, he's way nicer than you and I. Much nicer. He's top one or two at least. But what Easily. he said is, and I quote API, uh, I can't remember the exact quote. What he said is everything else can be dropped. API coverage should be. This is the worst quote that's ever been quoted. <laughs> API coverage should be the first priority. Everything else can wait. And like, I was like, I've said that in different ways, but he's just said it so clearly. And I was like, I jumped on that bandwagon, got a lot of traction. So you're, I'm also, uh, and then we got some feedback from one of the product managers who gave a timeline for B2C API coverage Q1 2020. Uh, B2B does not have a timeline yet. And what I'm curious it, uh, about is how important do you feel that is in general, API coverage, and how important specifically to B2B? Because I almost feel like, dude, B2B API coverage needs to get done yesterday. I know. There's a, there's, there's a lot there, right? So they, they sort of came out of the gate early with B2B saying, well, you know, the right way to do this is that you have to have API coverage on everything just to be able to write the, you know, to write the front end uh, in, interaction in in the UI. So you know, obviously, it has a hundred percent API coverage, but it's not. You know, it doesn't work that way. It's not actually done right. that way, um, and that's. You know, that's just the reality of where we are. The fact is, we we have over the last two years at Something Digital put a lot of effort into uh, uh, building a B2B capable practice. So we have plenty of customers that are running B2B businesses on Magento right now. So do we want like, we also heavily utilize and and leverage Magento's uh, stock or, you know, reference Mm -hmm. themes, uh, both Vinya and, and uh, Mm -hmm. Luma uh, to some degree. And, or at least the blank theme is a Mm -hmm. default. So we, you know, we, 
we rely on Magento having a proof of concept for us to be able to build on right. top of. And so throwing away Venya doesn't really help us, even though you have API coverage. Um, I, I, I still don't understand why we can't do both. It feels like what Magento has done, and you know, this is totally unfair to them uh, in every way, but it just feels like we, we make an inch of progress across a mile-wide product map, totally. right? And, and I really wish that they would just you know, do the thing that a manager told me to do a long time ago that I never listened to, which is, you know, uh, maybe just work one thing to completion and then move to yeah. the next thing. Well, and here's the thing. I have discovered the root cause for all of this. You ready for it? <laughs> yeah, I am so ready. Go. I've got the answer to the meaning of life within this context, and it is the magic quadrant. <laughs> that's... <laughs> that's the like I like. No, that's I, the reason why we are where we are. Yes, it's yes, not the answer. It is the problem. <laughs> it's the problem. Yeah, it's the problem. It's not the answer. It's the it's the it's the it's the reason. In my opinion, the quadrant drives product direction. Period. Yeah. And nobody nobody and, would argue that not, with you. That's everybody not would agree science. with that. Yeah, everybody would agree. That's common sense. I mean, that's yeah. It's referenced all the time. Yep. So if we need a box to tick. And 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 how exactly does this quadrant work? Because you're talking about functionality that we has been committed, is not totally live yet, is not totally complete. Does because we're we're killing it in the quadrant, right? Like we're leading, yeah. right? We're, well, Magento's right? Magento is only as good as its partner ecosystem. Magento right. for many years, even under Paul Boivere, back when eBay, and this is very much in the weeds, uh, but you know this is worth talking about so you understand how the world works. The uh, even under Paul Boivere, even back at eBay days, uh, you know the 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 product roadmap or the product coverage to be able to compete with true enterprise solutions that had a lot of you know built in in the box solutions for things that you know Forrester and Gartner are looking for to check a bunch of boxes yeah Magento's solution was always partner ecosystem technology partners you know right. have the ability to do this or we have an open right. platform that can accomplish x y or z with right. just a little bit of configuration or code and right. And, you know, Forrester, having worked with them to some degree, uh, they, they don't like perform, that approach. Well, they perform a lot of, of due diligence. Like they talk to merchants, they talk to SIs, they talk to developers, they talk, like they go right. and do research and they ask hard questions and they want to see it firsthand. Right. And, and so to, to their credit, you know, they've been pretty cagey on whether Magento deserves, you know, uh, to say that they do X, Y, or Z. Uh, okay. That they claim to do, right? Um, but at the same time, yeah, you know, Commerce Tools just got listed. Commerce Tools is 100% API only. Interesting. And Commerce Tools just made uh, Challenger in the Gartner Magic Quadrant. Well, and so, I got to, yeah, I got to also mention Shopware. Uh, yeah. While we're on the top guy there, I hear a lot of good things. I think they're mostly based out of Germany, but I got a reply from somebody out there on LinkedIn, which said that this is exactly the approach they're following. Treat your API as a primary interface of the software. Every other interface has to be built upon the API. So I think yeah. that's, I think, I think they're, I think they're doing that right. And well, um, I, the best thing that can happen is like Gartner and Forrester aren't going away, right? So the right. best thing that can happen for future completeness is for you know the community to you know bang on pots and 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 drums and make a lot of noise to Adobe to get them right. to commit to actually seeing things through to completion. And I think we've done that to some degree. But right. um, we also 
you know, will benefit from people like uh, or businesses like commerce tools and solutions like commerce tools having a better and more fully baked API right. solution and losing right. business to commerce tools and seeing right. them gain traction on the quadrant because right. that will form future versions of the quadrant, right. which will make Adobe and others have to double down on where they're losing. Um, right. But, you know, totally. I, I've seen, I, we just had uh, Jeremy Muris, who is a, a partner at Lion Capital, which is a private equity firm. Uh-huh. Um, he was on Future Commerce on a series that's coming out uh, in coordination with Shopify. Guys uh, are soon. killing those interviews on and, Future uh, Commerce. Oh, thanks, dude. man. And um, they have, uh, so their portfolio is pretty impressive. Um, they have brands like All Saints, but he's ex-Burberry. And, um, mm-hmm. and he was talking about like, they have just sort of taken a big... Uh, swath of their Magento business and some of their uh, Salesforce business in their PE portfolio, mm. and have like given Commerce Tools a full swing. Interesting. Like, we're just we're going to let API first drive everything, and let front end developers wow. just kind of be creative on you know content content CMS you know engines. Super interesting. And I think that's what's got to happen. Like you've got to have companies that just say screw you platforms. We're not doing it. Like you can you can plug into our CMS, yeah, and I think that'll that'll stem the tide, right? Of you know platforms that have really opinionated solutions yep. to content problems, and without so, knowing too much about how Gartner really works, uh, just being you know sort of shooting from the hip, I'd imagine they're going to be a lagging indicator of things like that. I mean, I it's it, yeah, it's hard to imagine that they're going to be quite hundred percent, you know. So maybe, maybe, that's, it's, maybe that's, it's three years that's enterprise from now. Software. Yeah, hundred percent. <laughs> so maybe it's three years from now until they recognize that trend and start to pay attention to it and start, which then incentivizes the platforms a year, two years after, you know. So. Yeah. It'll take time. And, you know, to be fair to Magento, Adobe, they also need a clear signal from the community. And the community rants about all sorts of crazy nonsense all the time. Uh, we, part of us, if we're being honest, enjoy complaining about things, you know, we're being completely <laughs> honest. So if they have a, a re- like you're saying, banging on pots and pans, if they have a really clear signal on something that reasonable and there's a clear path to execution, I think they'd take it seriously. And, uh, so, you know, yeah. hopefully we can, we can focus on the right things and, uh, you know. Yeah. Well, the, the last but not least, some of the announcements that came out of, uh, MLEU was that was the last Magento Live. Um, there won't be another one. So, you know, they had dabbled in Magento Live India. They had done Magento Live, you know, in a couple different places outside of the UK, um, uh, before, but uh, that was officially the last Magento Live. And it was also announced that Magento Imagine at Summit would, uh, this coming March will be the last Magento Imagine. Uh, and so uh, from there on, it's Adobe-only events. So oh, wow. uh, yeah, so the next Adobe-centric event that will take place in Europe, anywhere in Europe, um, and we're on we're at we're on Brexit Eve, by the way. Um, so I don't know if I can generously call it Europe at this point, but uh, it will be in London at uh, Adobe Summit London, um, which will take place in April, I believe, of 2020. Uh, so the very next uh, event in the U.S. Um, and the very last Magento Imagine will be at Adobe Summit in March, late March. So uh, that's the new world. I've- that's I feel I always get this news after you've like completely digested it and you're totally comfortable (laughs) with it. And I'm hearing it for the very, I don't know why this is the very first time I've heard this. I must have not been paying close enough attention, but I feel like I should be running up and down and yelling and punching things or something like that, that, that imagine is going to be completely over. But 
Um, well, you have one last chance. Yeah. yeah you know? No, that's, no, that's true. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, you know, we had a really great dev exchange, um, which, you know, was very encouraging to see. You know, there was uh, a little over a hundred people, I think, that attended Dev Exchange, which was really encouraging. Nice. And uh, had, I led a table about um, health and wellness. Oh, that's and, really cool, uh, man! And yeah, and Rebecca she did the uh, mental health in, one. Oh, yeah, that's she did awesome. a, a mental health table, and uh, so we we sort of tag teamed. Uh, I opened and she closed. That's it was so great. Cool. Um, Wait, so you guys did the same table and you tag teamed? Yeah, we did the same table. Oh, we did dude, health and wellness to open, and I then um, uh, mental health to to close. It was I really good. I literally want to do an entire episode just talking about that. I remember when I yeah, saw Rebecca talk about doing that. I thought it was, I thought it was awesome. I, I immediately thought to myself, this should be baked into every conference. Mental health is such an important topic, um, and that dude. I but also. Like this is the end of our uh, of month one of our Mage Talk Weight Loss Challenge, and she took on a vegan challenge for the month of October, right. and she's doing all thirty one days. So I'd love to actually maybe we could maybe we could put that oh, together. Yeah. Maybe we maybe yeah. we can have uh, Aaron DeCruz if you're listening to this. Maybe uh, just yes, schedule let's that. See make if we it can get on get on her agent's schedule. Um, I know that <laughs> she's busy, but no, that would be. She's very. She's a very we important person these gotta days. Get her on. I'm. 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 I'm tweeting yeah. her right now to let her know that we're talking about this and live and in real live, time. Live it's in happening. real time, and uh, we will make that happen. That sounds like a great idea. Uh, before we get to our interview with Pete Davis, any last thoughts? Um, anything else that anything anything that's really you know, vital or important that we should be mentioning the Magento? Oh gosh, world. how much time do I have? Do I have? Shopify uh, just announced a that million cool. sites, yeah, uh, and then they crashed for the day. Did you see? I, I don't did. know if you saw that. They I then, did. Uh, it's funny, man. <laughs> I previous older previous me would have just been all over that, like ha 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 ha, and like current me is like, man, Shopify is great. They're doing all this stuff for entrepreneurs. I love Shopify, and I'm just like, ah, they had some downtime. It's okay. They'll figure it out. (laughs) (laughs) At the same time, at the same time, you're like, you're like, I need to know 100%, no holds barred, DM me if possible. How is Stratus? Is it 100% uptime yet? Yeah. So you draw your lines in a squiggly manner around what matters well, to you, but that's okay. fine. Uh, I guess when it's a paying sponsor, you, you know, you do hold them to a higher standard. I could expand on that, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> didn't get any negative replies, uh, which was good. Love. Which was great. Yeah, that that's was good. good. So I was happy about that's that. That's good. All the people who would have been negative have probably <laughs> muted you because you're so noisy on, right. on, on social. It's a lately. good problem to have. Um, it is yeah, actually. I love that. Yeah. Um, I would love for the people who don't, you know, don't care to hear from me to just stop paying attention. Yeah, totally. Um, I was actually, awesome. I saw your tweet and I replied to it in a sarcastic manner, but I actually thought it was very, um, I thought it was awesome actually that where you said, you know, I have to realize that if people, what, what people think about me is not my business. Um, and vice versa, it's not their business, what I think of them. And I think that that's, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, I've been, I, I know I've been putting out more content. I actually have been trying to be very mindful about that and trying to keep sig- signal to noise high and things like that, which is a struggle, mm. but I'm working on it. But I am thinking a lot about like, do people think I'm stupid? Da, da, da. And it's, it's true that on some level, you do have to kind of let that go 
And I, I thought it was really profound what you said that it's nobody's business. It's not my business what people think of me. To which I replied, it's absolutely your business what I think of you. And I think you're a pain in the butt. <laughs> this feels like uh, classic mage I, talk. If, this feels like vintage mage talk. This does. Well, you know, it's because it's not a live stream and, and we're not shouting That's out people right. in the chat room. So uh, it does right. feel... It feels very, very uh, vintage mage talk. I'll, I'll leave you with this. Um, I think it's Bernard, uh, Bernard Meltzer uh, said, like, before you speak, ask yourself if what you're about to say is true, is kind, mm-hmm. and necessary. Mm-hmm. Is it helpful, right? And if, if, if you can say that what you're going to tweet or what you're going to post or what you're going to put in a live stream is true and it's kind and it's necessary and it's helpful, then it's like, who cares? how yeah. noisy it is. Like who cares how often or how frequent, like yeah. Yeah. we need more good stuff like that in the world. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I'm trying to get better about is praise by individual, criticized by category, I believe is, I think is a Warren ooh, Buffett saying. I haven't heard so, that. Yeah. And I, I realize as I'm putting out more content and more proactively mentioning people on social who I mention. Um, it's it's making me realize I need to be more mindful of that. And if I am being critical, criticized by category and not and not a specific individual, you know, for starters. But even beyond that, like you're saying, like we were talking about some critic crit- critiques of the Gartner thing and you know and, and the Magento thing. It's like, well, okay, is that is that kind? Is that helpful? Or or are we just ranting for the sake of ranting. And, mm. and, I, and, and I, think, I think that we probably did tick some of those boxes. I think it is important. I think it is helpful. But we, I'm sure we can continue to strive to do a better job. You have to be kinder. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I think you can say pretty much anything if you preface it with, uh, what would you say to people who might say X? <laughs> and then, <laughs> or, you know. or preface it with, I don't mean to be offensive, but... Yeah. <laughs> It's probably not very generous of me to say that you are an asshat. Um, but, you know, you know, a, a, a less kind version of me might say that. You know? Right. And then you can say whatever you want. And it's so... Totally, you can say whatever. It's totally fine. <laughs> this is sarcasm, uh, by the way, for people that, that don't... And with that... Uh, <laughs> go forth so much to, and be kind. To, yeah. Please. And be helpful. And, uh, and, and also stick around after the sponsor bump so that you can hear our interview with Pete Davis of AmpJar, uh, which I think might actually be a useful solution to some people. Um, if you have problems with, uh, if you have problems with connecting with other brands, you want to discover other brands. Uh, this might be the kind of thing that might be up your alley. Uh, you might want to check it out. Anyway, thanks for listening to Mage Talk and, uh, stick around after the sponsors. Let's face it, Magento can be a beast to run in the cloud. And that's why Stratus by MageMojo is hosting Evolved. Say goodbye to dedicated DevOps teams and complex cloud architecture. With Stratus, you get a rock-solid architecture that's built on Amazon AWS and true cloud auto scale. Never worry about capacity planning ever again with the full power of AWS that's behind your site. Backed by Magento Cloud Architecture Geniuses at MageMojo on technologies like ECS, Kubernetes, Aurora, and also a 15-minute SLA that's the fastest in the entire industry, you can be sure that your site is in 
in good hands with Stratus. Give it a try today, and we know you won't be disappointed. Head over to magemojo.com slash magetalk and get started. That's M-A-G-E-M-O-J-O dot com slash magetalk. Thanks again to Mage Mojo for the continued support of Mage Talk. Mage Talk is brought to you by Vertex. Vertex is a Magento premier partner, providing cloud and on-premise solutions that can be tailored to specific industries for every major line of tax, including sales and use, income, value added, and payroll. Vertex Cloud is the SaaS solution that automates sales and use tax, including calculation and returns. With multiple service levels and flexible pricing models, Vertex Cloud meets the sales and use tax needs for businesses of all sizes, from recognizable brands like Honda, Pepsi, and Verizon to small businesses the world over. Find out more today at vertexsmb.com and be sure to mention Mage Talk to get 15 months for the price of 12. Once again, that's vertexsmb.com. Hello and welcome to Mage Talk, the Magento Community Podcast. I'm Philip. Hey, I'm Kalen. And today we have with us uh, Pete Davis, who is the founder of AmpJar. And uh, you may not know him if you're in the Magento ecosystem, but I think you will pretty soon. Welcome to the show, Pete. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, for those who don't know you, and I trust that's probably a couple people listening to the show right now, could you give us a little bit about yourself and uh, tell us? It sounds like your accent's from a, a different world. Yeah, I'm so offended that you guys don't know me. Um, yeah, the <laughs> down here in Australia, I'm quite the big deal. Um, so, yeah, I, I actually I grew up in the UK and then moved to Australia when I was 21 and lost my accent after about three months. As it comes back a little bit when I start thinking about jolly old England. Um, but it's, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, so you're not native Australian. You're I'm an immigrant. <laughs> Wow. Okay. I mean, yeah. technically, everybody in Australia was an immigrant at some point, right? Yeah. yeah. And, it, yeah. And, and the ones who kind of, if you're not Aboriginal and you get offended about people coming to your country, then you're probably the, the ones who came from criminals. So, <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> anyway, we, we that don't. argument doesn't work here in the United States anymore. We try, though. I mean, we, we really try. Um, anyway. Uh, so, so, uh, founded, you know, you're based in Australia now and you're, you founded a, uh, a company called AmpJar. Um, you know, was, have you sort of always been entrepreneurial? What's kind of, what's the, uh, the story of that led to the creation of, you know, a SaaS product? Yeah. My, my track was, I wanted to do sport marketing. So I did a, did a PR degree in, in the UK, which was great. Um, but yeah, it wasn't. I, I didn't love the whole schmoozing kind of world, and it quickly, very quickly, got tiresome. And so, kind of halfway through my degree, I flipped over to doing more sport marketing stuff, and then came out to Australia, joined one of the AFL teams, which is Aussie Rules, which is quite the crazy sport, um, but well worth looking up on YouTube if you've got three or four minutes. Um, so, joined one of the Aussie Rules teams as their like, head of sponsorship, and then worked through a few different places and then got my dream job at IMG, you know, the big sport marketing group. And we, you know, worked with Tiger Woods and worked with the Australian Open and did some oh, wow. did some amazing nice. stuff. Um, but the I guess the the reality of IMG down here in a in a little country like Australia was very different to IMG and the big 
NFL college deal stuff that they were doing um, over in the US. So I would say that role really sharpened me up commercially to be good at selling stuff, which I think is always a good uh, good skill for people to have. And then, and this was back in 2009. Then uh, my wife and I started a social media agency. So it was back at the time when when there was only Facebook and organic reach was a hundred percent and everything right. was incredibly <laughs> rosy. Um, I just have to ask real quick, are you a Gary V fan? Yeah, I know. I know Gary pretty well. I, I nice. love, love, love some of his content. There's a lot of great stuff nice. there. He, I'm a big Gary V yeah. fan. Sorry. I just had to, cause he talks about the Facebook 2012 era or whatever, the organic reach era of Facebook, like all the time. So yeah. Yeah. And we, anyway, sorry to interrupt. No, it was, it was funny cause we had, a lot of the time the pitch was, hey, this is Facebook and this is how brands can use Facebook. And, and, the, and the answer was like, huh, right. okay. And so we were, I can't remember, I was maybe 23, 24 at the time. And we, we would walk into, would walk into big companies and say like banks and stuff, like big four banks and say, hey, this, yeah. this, is, how, this is how Facebook works. And they're like, okay, like here's the keys, like run with it. And so we pulled together nice. a team of 23, 22, like probably younger. Um, yeah, I'd say the average higher age was something like 21 to 23. And because right. that audience knew how to use Facebook because they came from that kind of college era and understood right. how it worked. Right. And so we'd help these brands establish communities and, and quickly build stuff that just absolutely flew. So we built that agency over the, over the course of the next seven years and a year out, uh, so six years in, we actually sold the company to private equity. So I would say that nice. this doesn't mean to sound, I've, I've said a couple of things that try to make like I'm sounding like a big deal, but I'm not at all. But we, um, one thing I, <laughs> one thing I struggled with towards the end was, was being the smartest person in the room all the time. And so you'd go to a, you'd go to a, have a conversation with a bunch of brand managers at a, at a new company and they'd say, what you did for this company over right. here. Like we, we worked with like Burt's Bees and Tony and, um, big fashion brand out here called Tony Bianco and Clarence, the big skincare mm. brand, lots of like lots of big recognizable publicly listed companies as well, like banks and stuff. It was, it was crazy. Um, but so right. they would always say, Hey, what you did over there, I want you to do that. And so they would like, they would just say, how do you do it? Like, what's the thing? What's the secret? What's the tricks? Or what are, what are the rules? Right. And it gets, I'm sure you guys have been there or maybe are there now, but I think it gets a little tiresome when you walk into a room and you're not learning anything because you're the one who's like the rolled out expert. And so yeah. you know, by the end we had... Philip doesn't, <laughs> Philip doesn't know how to... Yeah, yeah, I know nothing about that. that. Well, it's a problem, right? Because they want you to just come in and execute a playbook. Yeah. They just want you to come in and just, you know, you have a bag of tricks, Pete, you know, just do your do your little thing. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's, that's a problem, right? Yeah. And, and I think, so we had 20 staff when, at the point that we sold it. And so they would, they would run the accounts pretty much. It was, it was just a really simple model is that we, we got, we got someone who was, who had great potential, but was underemployed. We paid them a fair amount of money, but nothing out of control. And we kept them for 18 months. And if we were lucky, because by the end of that period, they were, poached off our LinkedIn page because they were just, they were just so, so aggressively skilled up to be very good at this one thing that, you know, a big corporate comes along and they're like, well, I can pay you twice as much. And literally people were leaving us to to double their salary because they, because our model was, Hey, we're an agency. You can look after five clients at 
you know, $4,000 retainer each and we'll pay you this much and then you'll, and you'll just be able to rinse and repeat that and, and run with it. Um, but for the other, for the corporates who are now, we're now really realizing that they need this skill in-house, they can overpay for this kind of thing. And so the model kind of, kind of slipped away a, a little bit um, and got a, got a lot more complex. But yeah, you, you, get, you get rolled into every meeting as, hey, here's the expert and everyone's like, oh, great, Pete's here. Like, that's, this is the best thing. Now we can just grill Pete about everything that he knows, which was, again, sounds like such a first world problem, but you, you spend all your time just being the one who's, who's talking, right. who's, like, who's adding value without going into a room and being, and being like, I learned so much out of the meeting. Totally. I, I could, you could yeah. literally go a month and like learn nothing in, in a meeting. Yeah. Yeah. And it, like at the end of the day, if you're not learning, if you're not growing as a person, then you're not going to feel fulfilled. Even, you know, even if business is going good and cust- you know, customers are happy, like if you as a person aren't learning and growing, there's going to be a, a gap. There's going to be a void there. Yeah. And I think we started to then see this trend of like from our side, what, what we care about now is like this new trend of digital first, hyper authentic brands that you know, we would fight and fight to get this bank or rice company or um, skincare company to get them great engagement on organic social content. And then this little plucky brand brand comes along and points a camera at themselves and is just super authentic and would smash everything that we did. Mm. Yeah. 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 What's funny is that in that era, not to cut you off, but in that era... I remember sitting around a lot of tables in with agencies, uh, and you know, definitely not the one that I work for now. That <laughs> never happened. But you know, uh, people would tell you like, "Why would you ever pay attention to social as a brand? It doesn't convert. It doesn't convert." And that's, I think, mm-hmm. like the thing we've had to figure out the hard way from all the the people who did pay attention to social, you know, a decade ago or seven, seven, eight years ago, is that. Maybe not every conversion happens in the moment and at that second, but brand affinity and and brand awareness uh, has a lasting value that's hard to quantify. And I think that we, we've you know the people who did pay attention at that point in time, you know, had big big wins and big gains, and we're kind of seeing that with the the direct to consumer era uh, that we're in now. Yeah, I was I was actually thinking about this this morning. Is, is that we helped some brands build incredible followings on Facebook, and so we we took many brands into hundreds of thousands of followers, which was great. Um, it's funny though because I look back now and I, I saw something this morning that was that said oh, Nike and Adidas haven't posted anything to their um, any organic content to their Facebook page in a year. And they're just not doing it because there's no value there anymore. And so the funny thing is, I was thinking, oh, I wonder if those guys hate me for building an audience of 250,000 people on their Facebook page when like really there's no value to it now. Yeah, there's no value anymore. I mean, I think the value was right. like, the value was very much and, there at the time, but it's funny because I think you you try to build a house and you get there, and, but this that house weathered really, really quickly and now you can't live there anymore. Right. And this is actually something that Gary Vee talks about all the time, how uh, most platforms go through a phase where they have outsized organic reach. Everybody builds on them. Then they monetize their ads. 
organic reach decreases, paid distribution increases. And then you, you know, you, it's like you have to take advantage of it while you can. And hopefully your brand equity goes with you when maybe you, you, you lose some of the organic reach. And he talks a lot about how like LinkedIn and TikTok have, yeah, that, they have that right now. Reach. There's, right. A mo- there's a moment right Don't now. Worry, yeah, I've been hitting it. LinkedIn That's... pretty hard. <laughs> yeah, and they will. Right. Exactly. And, and it'll be that same story replayed over again. Um, I noticed uh, also on on Ampchar as I was, I was as I was checking out the pay the the website on fast forwarding a little bit, but I noticed you have like some influencer stuff, which is an interesting um, an interesting mix of functionality that you've got email newsletters and uh, you know ads, and then I, I saw this thing where like influencers can sort of sign up to like run ads. So it's it's interesting that you kind of got your hands in that jar <laughs> as well. Um, yeah, it's an interesting mix. Yeah, but, I mean, and, I mean. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say maybe it's a good time to just explain a little bit about what Amjad does, just so we've got that context. Um, yeah, give the pitch. Yeah, so uh, well, firstly, I would say I'm terrible at giving the pitch because I think the pitch for us is evolving. Just it feels like it's evolving all the time, and and our reliance on one part or the other part feels like it's changing on a daily basis. Which, like, let, yeah. let me let me give you a little bit of context. So, so we, so when we saw all these awesome little brands coming through. We saw that they were so good at shooting a like pointing a camera at something or shooting a flat lay, sharing that on social and getting a lot of engagement. But what they were really bad at was all the other like really pointy, valuable parts of marketing. And so when we ran our agency, we would charge someone five hundred dollars to seven hundred and fifty dollars to build and send an email campaign for them. You know, it's an hour right. of copywriting, it's a couple of hours design, it's an hour of a developer pulling it together. You know, an agency that that time quickly gets totted up and so um yeah we we would help all these brands we so we knew the value is there in email and we also saw that all these small brands weren't doing anything in email like very very little if anything at all and you know people tell us that they hate mailchimp and like mailchimp is a is an absolute beast of a product it's incredible it does so many great things for so many people but we have we, a lot of people say to us, it's like, oh, but yeah, that, that blank piece of paper that I get when it's like, hey, you can send anything you want to send today. It's almost like the Photoshop to model. canvas. Yeah. yeah like, like Photoshop is, you can design anything in Photoshop. The best ads in the world, the best graphics in the world have been designed in Photoshop. However, there's room for Canva because Canva oh, allows people to come in and says, hey, you don't have to start with a blank piece of paper. We'll, we'll give you inspo. Yeah. 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 And so our, our theory and what we played out was that they're creating all this great social content. What if we go and grab the best of their social content using some like really simple maths of what's, what got the most likes and comments and we pull the best of that content into a pre-built email campaign. They jump in, they've got an email that's already ready to go using their best content and they can then dump out an image that they don't like anymore or that's not relevant or the product sold through or whatever it is or they add a little bit more, they upload an image, they can, they can spend as long as they want editing it, but typically they don't spend more than 10 minutes editing a campaign. And then we send out a mobile optimized, spam optimized, um, smart, whatever else, email campaign that just works. Yep. And so we got a bunch of people using it and it was, it was always that early brand trying to work out what to be doing in email, know that they should be doing something in email and not necessarily doing something in email. And so that, that was the, that was the place, the place that we took at the start. It's really smart. So, so then what happened was we spoke to a bunch of customers and they were saying to us, we, 
like the big problem for us is like, yeah, engaging customers is a big problem, but we also need more customers because things get harder. Like it's the organic reach is falling and all this kind of stuff. And I don't get as much viral um, exposure as I used to. So I need more customers. How do, how do I find more customers? And so the thing that we found was that we would have brands on our platform sending out emails and our average, our average open rate across the platform is about 39%. And the average click rate is about 4.8%. Mm-hmm. And so if anyone doesn't know, that's pretty high. That's pretty good. And, <laughs> pretty decent, yeah. Yeah, and we, we don't take credit for that. The credit for that lies between the relationship of the brand and their customers. Yeah. So what we what we looked at was and, and said was, well, we've got all of these brands that we've got a like a brand over here that's selling cribs, and they've got a beautiful presence on Facebook. They're talking to their customers and they're selling cribs, and they've got some peripheral products, but their major thing is selling cribs. And then we've got this brand over here that's selling like baby clothes. And so they all go back to the well of Facebook and Google advertising maybe, although that I, I think for a lot of our customers, they, they find that really hard. It's, it's just there's a lot of education needs to go into running Facebook ads. But so they, they right. might go to Facebook advertising or do whatever they can do to try to find, a, um, find more customers. Or they do like collaborations where they'll find a brand that they like on, on Instagram. They'll send them a DM. Firstly, they hope that someone picks up that DM. Secondly, they... Like they've only got they've only got fifty thousand followers on Instagram, whereas this other brand's got sixty seven thousand followers on Instagram. So they have to kind of go to them like begging a little bit, and but not not yeah. too much, so they so they don't look like they're too small and all. It's it's such a dance, and so we said, well, what if there was a way where we could put a piece of the crib company's content inside the baby company, the baby clothing company's email campaign? So, so cross promotion, cross brands. Yeah. So, yep. so what we would do is we'd create a way where we put a price on it, so that if you're bringing in a database that has ten thousand people and a fifty percent open rate and a ten percent click rate, well, then you should get rewarded more than a brand that's bringing in a ten thousand person database with a forty percent open rate and a three percent click rate. Right. So yeah, we put a price on it and then we let brands jump in and um, send out emails and then host other brands' content inside their own campaign and then take the content that works well on social and in, and in their emails and put it in another brand's campaign. If I could jump in, uh, that's super, super interesting. I guess what I wonder is if I'm a brand that has a great engagement rate, I have a great relationship with my audience... Why am why do I and let's say Philip has a has another brand, let's say they're not competing, you know, maybe they're complimentary, but like why don't I just want to send more email um of my of my own brand out to my audience? I'm gonna have more margin on that than whatever I have on referral commissions to, you know, Philip's brand. Can I try to answer the question on behalf of you, Pete, and you can correct me? Yeah, I'd love that. My in in my sense, it would be that, you know, I'm I, I'm probably worried about uh, a couple things like, like additional creative and additional touch points kind of need like like that might make me a little bit worried. But a brand new audience that you know is unexposed to me that I can sort of tap into as like a product discovery mm-hmm. mechanism um, seems like a really low effort way to experiment with you know a customer acquisition strategy that doesn't require me to like 
you know, have a whole Facebook ad creative, a whole Instagram strategy. Like, right. Like, it, I can see why it's attractive to you to get right. access to my audience, but why right. is it attractive for me to give you access to my audience? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I don't have an answer for that. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> it's <a> terrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Your your idea is garbage, Pete. <laughs> back back to the drawing board. <laughs> All right. Let's cut, let's cut this here. Let's cut this here. Um, yeah. The, so we ask our customers, why do they host? So why do you host someone else in your campaign? And so right. the number three reason was they like getting paid. So when they get paid, they earn credits that they can then use to put their brand out in front of other people. Number two was that they like putting, they like working with other brands so that they look good and there's a bit of a halo effect off the back of that. So by aligning their brand with another brand that looks good, they position their own brand to their own customers as being kind of playing in that in that world. That makes sense. And then thirdly, and I think this is the most important, it makes their emails better. And it makes the emails better because there's interesting dynamic content in there. So mm, when we think of okay. these... So it's just more relevant to the... It's a better quality product to the end consumer. The email becomes a better quality product. So yeah. yeah, 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 exactly. So what, what we do is the, the ads, and we, we probably need a better word than ad, but the ads are really organic, native looking. So it's not something that's like, Casino, casino, casino at the bottom of someone's email. It's something that's, that's right. much more um, much more a case of they can write a little intro to the ad that might say, hey, we found this brand and we think, and we think you might love it. Or, hey, we've actually bought from this brand for our own daughter nice. and we love, they, we love their cribs and you should, you should come check them out as well. And then nice. this, the content then sits there in much more of an, like an editorial style piece of content rather than like an ad. And so what, right. why, we, why we really like this is a few reasons. But, but what we're seeing a trend of, another brand did it yesterday and I've, and I've never seen them before. And they, they don't use our product, but I love this brand and I, they're, they're kind of like a perfect customer for us. Um, they sent out an email that just said, the lead story in this email was, Hey, we discovered this brand the other day. We think they're awesome. Like, come check them out. And there's no way, like, knowing the knowing the founder of that company, knowing the scale of their company, there's no way that that was a paid endorsement. So what? The, so what they're doing mm. is they're naturally wanting to shout out other brands when it's relevant to their customers. So rather than rather than treating email as this is only a sales channel, email is becoming more social. So the like the way that um, you know the skincare brand Lush in the UK they make all like the um, yeah. shampoo bars mm-hmm. and soaps and those kind of things. Yeah. They dumped their social channels recently, just closed them all down, and they said that the wow. organic reach that they're getting on there is just not good enough anymore. And it's just and the effort that they have to go to to create like a an ongoing dialogue is just not worth it anymore. So what they do is they wow. focus on just creating great content and sharing that content out through email and their website. And so what they do now is when they send out emails, they definitely send out emails that look to sell, of course, like we all do. But when they send out emails, they often focus on something that's a little more storytelling and a little more interesting and the kind of thing that you would normally share through social. And so there was a a brand here... um, the chocolate company over here in Australia. And the the original idea for this email ad placement was at the bottom of their email, 
that they send out every every couple of weeks. They're a vegan brand. And so what they do is they say, it's like, P.S., here's some stuff we're crushing on. And it's like, here's an event. Here's a cool brand. Here's a movie that you might like. And it was nothing to do with them. Oh, like wow. nothing, of it, nothing of it was making sale like a sale for them. It was more about making sure that they get better open rates on their emails and they keep people engaged and they keep people liking their brand as a result of that. That's cool. I, I, it's interesting because I don't know that many people would readily identify that it, discovering a new consumer brand is something that they enjoy or that they are like find to be like that they would identify as like a pastime or some sort of a thing that they, that makes them excited. But I think most everybody, if if you put it in those terms, most everybody would tell you that they love finding products that you know fit a need and make them happy, yeah. and they want to tell others about that. And I think that that's so it's so interesting that you can sort of capitalize on our our the the virality of wanting to share good experiences and things that people haven't heard of or know about yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's really interesting, especially like in the world of businesses that that you know can only exist right now. Like you've kind of checked a bunch of boxes with Ampjar on the sort of two sided marketplace, influencers, email, B two B SaaS. You know, you kind of hit a bunch of things that seem like it's you know it might be the kind of thing that might be really attractive to a certain type of a retail business. What's interesting is that it's, it's, it, you know, these emails are not just, um, ads in the sense of like, Hey, buy our stuff. Like the emails are content. The emails are valuable content that the recipients like enjoy receiving. Like it almost makes me think, Philip, of this whole movement around newsletter content, like with Substack and with yeah. you know, y'all started, yeah. uh, you know, your, uh, newsletter at Future Commerce, you know, um, uh, a while ago, but that's relatively new and you're having a ton of success with that as well. It's almost like a subset of that, but specific to uh, product recommendations. Yeah. Well, I think also, Pete, correct me if I'm wrong, like there's an element of sort of repurposing content that you have elsewhere in to, to sort of aid the creative process, right? So yeah, as yeah. a creator, it's, it's kind of hard to come up with that fresh crap all the time. <laughs> right, right Caleb? Yeah. You're the king of fresh crap, you should know. Kind of tough. Dude, uh, I'm going to make a confession on air. I have a newsletter for my main business, Commerce Hero, about 8,000 people on the list. I have not sent a newsletter for about two months, two and a half months. Mm-hmm. Every time I send a newsletter, I get business. I'm just lazy about it. And Can uh, I email your um, list through AmpJar? Can I? <laughs> yeah. uh, and usually what I do, I'm literally about to sign this to my writer, is to say, look at my social... Yep. And put together a newsletter based on things I've tweeted, based on jobs that are out there, candidates that are out there, content that's been put out. Sum that all up in it. That's usually my process, which yeah. I, which I, I think you're really you've tapped into something with pulling in the Instagram content. And so, and so in terms of where we're trying to take this next, we we saw something the other day. Uh, depending on when this goes out, there's um, Brook Linen have have been a company that have done a lot of really great things and had some incredible initiatives over the years. One of them was Brooklyn and were a call out on the post checkout page on Casper's website before Casper decided 
to get into the world of linen. Mm-hmm. So what they did was that they said, hey, now you've checked out. You are done, done, done. Like this is locked in. Nice. While you're here, do you also need some linen? And it was that was the thing. I'm not going to say that was the thing that built the Brooklyn business, but that was an incredibly important part of them being able to generate a significant amount of sales. Makes sense. So what we want to be able to do is help a lot of these smaller brands to play the big brand game. So Brooklyn came out the other day and there's a big big thing in the Wall Street Journal about it and some, some really interesting write-ups that Brooklyn have started this thing called Spaces. Spaces, yeah. Yeah, and so maybe I mean I'm happy to give a, a little you, yeah go for chat. it, um, but feel free to jump over me. Like I think that the idea of spaces is rather than just selling themselves on a website, what if there's a way to pull in like-minded home goods brands and use a like an aggregated approach to make sales that kind of cross sell from each other. So, so a market, so a, mar- a marketplace play essentially. It's probably a really bad way of explaining it, but um, yeah, it's a curated marketplace of brands that don't really compete, but complement. you know, your direct to consumer play. Um, and I, I, I think it's, it's interesting because I, I just had a, it, it's not going to land until Friday um, this week, but we just had an interesting, um, we just had an interesting conversation with Sucharita Kadali, who's a analyst at Forrester. Yeah. Um, for future commerce, and she had predicted this very phenomenon. I think by name, uh, she said brands like Brooklinen and Casper, and she like gave a whole litany a couple of years ago on the show. So we had her back on the show to kind of talk about that prediction and how it landed. And um, she talked about you know the next evolution of direct to consumer is marketplaces. And my reaction at the time was, that's preposterous. Mm-hmm. Like. <laughs> Every like is everyone trying to build Amazon? Like we're just going to fragment the thing, the consolidation, like the all the benefit of consolidation having one relationship with one vendor, yeah. and like having a predictable experience with that vendor. We're going to go away from that and just go back to fragmented. Like, but uh, but in actuality, the way it's played out is it's a it's a discovery mechanism. Like it and you know, believe it or not, like I find that very valuable myself. I actually. Found that you know we're we're sourcing at Future Commerce a uh, hundred brands to watch report, and I've found a bunch of them through uh, sites like Vera Shop and and through uh, Spaces Brooklyn and Spaces, mm-hmm. um, which is like really interesting as a discovery it's mechanism. Super, yeah. uh, and you sort of, like you you trust it more, right? Because you already trust Brooklyn. If you trust Brooklyn, then you might be really into one of their recommendations because you, you like you assume that it's curated. Yeah, you know? it's super yeah. interesting. And, oh yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, so, so the thing that we, the thing that, that we think is unique to the brands that we work with is we typically work with hyper authentic, social, digital first companies. Right. So what's unique to them that we, that we believe is the relationships that they have with their, with their customers are incredibly strong. And it's, it's through the, it's kind of through the line. It's going on Instagram stories and putting your face on there and saying, Hey, we're doing this today. And like being really raw and honest and all that kind of stuff about having great days and bad days and all those kind of things and letting people into the, into the founder discussion, I think is really, is really unique to this audience. And then the other thing is such a small thing is, and this is probably how I first discovered this world was we've got little twin girls. And when my wife started buying from all of these brands that she found on Instagram. And every time a, like a package came to the door, it wasn't that like 
kind of soulless but still exciting um, amp jar box. Uh, sorry, um, Amazon box right. that came through the door. <laughs> it was it was a it was like a parcel that then had a handwritten note in it, and that handwritten note mm. is can be such a big thing to to kind of round that off and get people to firstly advocate for you by taking photos of the product and putting them on social channels, but secondly, just making you feel like like that buying from that person like makes me warm inside my heart, you know, and it sounds really corny, but giving someone that, um, that feeling of like you were saying before, Philip is like discovery and excitement of being able to recommend something and talk about something, you know, the, the depth of relationship between these customers and these brands. And, and I guess when you say brand is including the brand owner or the, the head, the faces of the brand, I think that's really powerful, and I think that that is the one thing that can challenge the 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 mass distributors like Amazon is buying from someone who is just hyper hyper personal and that right. you just really like. It's really interesting. Um, yeah, there's there is a real relationship. I mean, my my wife, you know, buys some like essential oils from somebody she knows on Instagram and. You know, there's a, she calls her her friend, and you know, there's a real relationship there, and it's it's interesting. And uh, Philip, it's so it's so funny you mentioned um, uh, Sucharita because I still remember something I I heard her saying. I believe it was at Imagine um, on the topic of marketplaces and talking about how with Amazon, so many merchants copy their free shipping because it's like, oh, we got to all have free shipping. Yeah. But the, the free shipping, actually, I think they lose money on. Or it's not very profitable. What's it, what's really profitable for Amazon is their marketplace strategy. And virtually no one has attempted to you know, essentially uh, mimic that. And now you know, that's something that we're seeing, uh, I think, a trend in that direction. But it's... Uh, again, it just it, it ties into this theme of how can smaller independent merchants compete um, you know, with Amazon. I'm uh, I, I'm just curious too. So I, Pete, as we're kind of wrapping up here, uh, I do want to give you an opportunity to sort of uh, plug where people can find more about you and Ampjar. But before we do, I have to ask: uh, Have you uh, you took a, some money? I think you were in part of the syndicate, like a syndicate round from Jason Calican. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so do you know Jason? Have you spent time yeah, with so him at all? Funny story. A, a year and a bit ago, um, someone asked me to go to an event in Sydney and um, it was Jason's launch event um, that he brought over to Sydney. So the mm. Sydney government backed it up. And um, yeah, someone, one of the, someone who was working on the event found us somewhere and said, hey, we'd love you to come and, come and pitch and tell us what you're doing. So I went and pitched and told, told them what we were doing. And then... On, it was a two-day thing, and on the second day, I was like standing by the door, backpack on my back, ready to go, just as Jason's like wrapping up the event. He's like, oh, and before we wrap up, I want to pull some companies up on stage. And he pulled a couple of companies up on stage and said, oh, by the way, I'm going to give you all $100,000 and invite you to join our, um, our accelerator in San Francisco. And so I was huh. like, hey, uh, cool, I'll, I'll believe when I see it. And so then, then they're like, hey, can you send over this paperwork? And I'm like, yeah, here's the paperwork. I believe when I see it. And they're like, cool, you're in. Like, what's your wiring details? So I gave bank account details. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I'll believe when I see it. And then there's $100,000 in the account that wasn't expected to be there. And it's like, huh, all right, yeah, I guess we're doing this. And then off we go, go and, go and move to San Francisco for a few months. And um, yeah, we went through the, the whole fundraising process. We... Um, 
Jason's accelerator, I would, I would say is such an incredible way of getting in front of Valley investors and I guess increasingly investors across mm. the US. We just would not have had the opportunity to raise money like we have without Jason's support. And so, yeah, the, the program, I'm not sure if you guys know much about it, but the program was, it's a 12 week thing. You rock up every Thursday afternoon. There's a panel of seven investors from firms that you are very acutely aware of sat across the front of the room. You have three minutes to pitch. You have two minutes to answer questions. So they all ask a question. You've got two minutes to answer it all in one go, just because Jason think that, thinks that makes it funner for everyone involved, not for, not for the founder. Um, <laughs> and so yeah, three minutes, two minutes, and that's it. See you next Thursday. And so Jason and his team's ability to pull together such an incredible panel of investors is is just such a game changer for someone like someone like me and i guess that his model is to the investors it's come and sit down for an hour and a half and i'm going to show you seven companies we found from around the world that we think are, are investable and so it's just a really efficient use of their time as well so i'd say it's it's a hmm. it's a great thing from both sides we raised 2 million dollars um we were actually raised most of that from a fund in New York called Tribeca Venture Partners, um, who are oh, great, yeah. great people and love their experience, love working with them on a, on a regular basis. Um, it's the first money I've raised, so it's, it's good to have partners who are quite hands-on and quite, um, quite close, um, but they also give us a lot of rope to go and work out what we want to do. Oh, that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad you said nice things because uh, Jason listens to the show. So, uh, Hi, Jason. <laughs> otherwise, you know, you might have been in trouble. Uh, that, this is great. I, I really appreciate all your time, Pete. Can, where can people find you and where can people learn more about Ampjar? Yeah, just ampjar.com. So mm-hmm. go check it out. Um, you can also get me through email. I love hearing from brands. So just Pete at ampjar.com. Yeah, I, I think it's if you know of a brand that you think is hyper authentic and has customers that love them and would appreciate new ways to get in front of new new customers then yeah we'd love to talk i think we're we're focused on building our building our community right now so we're we're just adding quality brands and being quite deliberate about it so making sure that we've got a really strong network of brands so yeah come and reach out have a look see if you think that you're a good fit or someone you know is a good fit and we're yeah we're also at that point where we just over index on helping people and making sure that they love the product so it's a it's a good time nice. to come try it. Be nice if the whole world over-indexed on helping <laughs> people. Uh, I love that. Now we have a show uh, title. Now we have a show title. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Thanks so much, Pete. It was great to get a chance to get to know you a little bit. Yeah, great to chat. Thanks. <laughs>